Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer on the doors of perception. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your brain. I'm Ian Wolfe. In this special edition, we feature an extended interview with the founder of an online critical thinking tool, Rebutter. But first up, here's the news. Mosquitoes are not fans of fans. Mosquitoes are normally kept away by nets, or poisonous pesticide, or by herbal extracts like citronella. But mosquitoes can get past nets. Pesticide is expensive and can trigger sensitivities and allergies. Herbs have only a mild effect, and they run out. A Michigan State University study reveals that the solution is the breeze from a small electric fan. The American Mosquito Control Association says that mosquitoes fly slowly, so the breeze from an electric fan is too much for them to overcome. They can't outfly it to reach you. They're just not strong enough. The breeze from an electric fan disperses the carbon dioxide that mosquitoes use to guide them to our skin. So they can't tell where we are. Which effect is strongest? Blowing the mosquitoes away or blowing your plume of attractive smells away? The answer is in the paper, Reassessment of the Role and Utility of Wind in Suppression of Mosquito Host Finding. Stimulus Dilution Supported Over Flight Limitation and was published in the Journal of Medical Entomology. The researchers from Michigan State University used electric fans on mosquito traps that were set out by the US Center for Disease Control. The traps released carbon dioxide to attract mosquitoes. They tested wind speeds from 0 to 3.7 meters per second. If mosquitoes were mainly failing to fight the wind, they reasoned that different sized mosquitoes should overcome different speed winds, up to a point. So different sized mosquitoes should have been captured at different times. This was not the case. Only the number of mosquitoes was changed by the wind speed, not the size. And because the size wasn't connected with wind speeds, researchers concluded that disruption of the carbon dioxide had a greater effect than the wind's effect as a physical barrier. Blow those mozzies away? Well, at least blow your carbon dioxide away so they can't find you. Confusion to the enemy. You're listening to Diffusion Science Radio. Send email to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Next up... I hear what you're saying, and I follow your arguments, but you're wrong. Here's why. Are you up all night because somebody is wrong on the internet? Rebutter is an online critical thinking tool that lets you know somebody on the internet thinks the page you're reading is wrong and shows you the rebuttals. Entrepreneur and founder of Rebutter, Shane Greenup, spoke to me by Skype from the UK. Rebutter is supported by the James Randi Educational Foundation, Michael Shermer's The Skeptic Magazine, and the Richard Dawkins Foundation. 
I began by asking Shane to explain what Rebutter is. So Rebutter is, from a user perspective, it's a browser extension, which tells you when the page that you're looking at on the internet it has been disputed elsewhere. So that's how our users interact with it. But underneath, we are a semantic linkage database. We connect web pages to one another on the basis that one argues against the other. If we use the extension of Rebutter in something like Chrome and or, or any of the, the browsers, will we get a little pop-up telling us that there's Rebuttal? Yeah, that's, that's it exactly. So uh, all it is is you install the extension into your browser and then you just use the internet like usual. You don't change anything, you just carry on. And then um, whenever you land on a page which, which someone somewhere else on the internet has expressed dissent against, you know, they, they've argued that this article is wrong, then when you visit that page, you get a little pop-up that says someone disagrees with this, and then you can click through and go and read you know, what their dis- disagreement with, this, with your current page is. So it's, it's a way of getting an opposing perspective. It's a way of getting a broader you know, exposure to the issue, and also a, w- a way of uh, being exposed to critical analysis. So I would like to think that with widespread adoption of, of technology like Rebutta, that we will actually change the internet from its current passive information delivery system that it is. So at the moment, the internet just gives you what you look for. You ask for information and it gives you information. And if you want information, um, if you want misinformation, it's got that as well. You know, people go and look for the information that they want to get and they get precisely what they want. It's very passive in what it does. Our hope is to change it from that passive interface into a more active educational resource where you continue to be able to go and get the information you want, but more importantly than that, as you get that information, it's presented within a framework which reminds you that not all information is equal. Um, not all information is necessarily true. And behind every claim, behind every you know um, assertion of truth, there is a greater discourse taking place. And there are people out there who have spent a lot of time critiquing those claims and arguing against them. And by being able to go and look at those arguments, you're teaching yourself not only, you're not only accessing more information, but you're getting um, skills in terms of critical analysis and critical thinking, which you wouldn't get just by reading the fundamental argument. Is rebutter just on scientific subjects or political subjects, or is it everything that anyone could possibly disagree with? Absolutely everything that anyone could possibly disagree with. The the system is, is incredibly simple. All, all we do is we say this URL rebuts that URL, and that's that's the only requirement we have. So it could literally be, you know, whether someone thinks Justin Bieber is a talented singer or not. People can have arguments about that, and that's entirely valid for rebuttal. So far, our, our main application has been scientific and political, but, yeah, it can be used for anything. So where do these rebuttals come from? How do they get into your database? So that's all handled through crowdsourcing. So it's up to our users to add any rebuttals that they find. And the reason for that is because the concept of a rebuttal or a counter-argument or contrary evidence is it's, a, it's an intent. It's, it's a human-defined purpose. There's absolutely no way at the current point in time to programmatically determine whether one article is arguing against another. So if, if, a, if an article links to another, it's usually because they're in agreement. People link to 
corroborating evidence or to further you know, resources that agree with what they're saying. Rebuttals do link to the page that they're arguing against. But yeah, there's the day that we have software that's intelligent enough to determine that this page has a tone and an intent of counter-argument is basically the day we've got artificial intelligence because the software to understand that sort of underlying meaning behind words is very uh, sophisticated. So, yeah, we have to uh, crowdsource everything. So how do people contribute pages to Rebutter? Uh, it's very simple. Once the plugin is installed, whenever you uh, find yourself on a page which you recognize as a Rebutter, so usually, usually they're quite straightforward. When you're reading them, you know, the author will write, the other day such and such wrote an article saying this, well, you know, I think they're wrong for these reasons. So it's really quite easy for us, you know, us humans to understand. And when you find yourself reading a page like that, you just simply click on uh, the rebutter button in the application, which will be, you know, in your browser itself, right? So you click on that button and there will be a button there saying use this page as a rebuttal. You click, click on that and then you open up the page that it's arguing against and you go use this page as the source page, the page that's being rebutted. And, and that's it. You can just click submit there. Ideally, we like you to make a little comment as to what the disagreement is and um, some tags. The tags are actually really important because that helps other people find the discussions that they're interested in. You know, GMO, vaccination, creationism, these sorts of debates that people are interested in by tagging them with those tags and makes it um, easier for them to find them. Uh, but that's it. It's just as soon as you, if, if you identify a rebuttal, just click this is a rebuttal. Find the page that it's rebutting. This is the source that it's rebutting, and hit submit. Sounds like a really useful thing educationally as well as personally. Yeah, we're really keen to get it to a stage where we can start integrating more directly with education systems. Ideally, high schools or universities. I don't think it'd be very. Don't know how useful it might be at the primary level. To integrate direct with schools is going to be amazing when we reach that point. At this stage, though, we're already very useful for teachers who are teaching critical thinking or teaching critical analysis skills. So you know, English teachers that, that are trying to teach their students how to analyze and compare and contrast articles, we provide a really simple tool for them to use to just, we have a button in our application to take you to a random discussion. So any teacher could go in and just bring up a bunch of random discussions and identify some good examples from the internet of well-written critical analyses of other articles. So yeah, anytime a teacher is looking for examples to demonstrate what they're talking about, uh, then rebuttal can be very useful for that. And the rebuttals themselves, how are they ranked in the order they appear? Are they just the most popular ones at the top, the ones that get submitted most often, or do people rate them when they read them? So at this point in time, and and it's probably worth pointing out here that um, we are still a, a, an early startup. There's two of us working on it, and only um, one programmer. Although um, we've re recently uh, acquired a uh, a brilliant um, volunteer who's also programming with us at the moment, who's been incredibly helpful. But we're still very young, so we've got a lot of um, development to do to refine these processes. But at this point in time, uh, people can vote on the rebuttals for any given page. So this is on the, um, this is specific to the page being rebutted. So if one page has got five rebuttals against it, then people can vote amongst those rebuttals for the one that they think is the best. Or, you know, they can vote up the ones that they like. So the five against that one page will be sorted by the vote count. So that would you know, indicate the most 
popular, let's say, based on the vote. However, that, you know, as I'm saying, that, that vote count only counts for that one source page, that one rebutted page. So even if one page is used to rebut multiple pages, the vote only counts for each specific page that it's against. It's a little bit hard to put into words, but I think it makes sense when you look at the, uh, <laughs> the layout of how <laughs> it works. I'm biased because I'll only listen to what I agree with. Confirmation bias, you never mind if you are this. I'm biased because I take credit for success, but no blame for failure. Self-serving bias, my success and your failure. I'm biased when I remember things the way I would have expected them to be. Expectancy bias, false memories are shaped by these. I'm biased because I think my opinion now was my opinion then. Self-consistency bias, but you felt different way back when. Oh, bias, don't let bias in your mind. Bias, don't try this, it'll influence your thinking and memories. Don't mess with these, you're guilty of distorted thinking. Cognitive bias, man becomes blinded. Decisions and problems, you've been forced to solve them wrong. And that was the Cognitive Bias song by Brad Ray. Has anything come up that surprised you since you've started this? Yeah, one of one of my favourite rebuttals that I saw was um, we actually differentiate two types of connections in our system, and that is a direct rebuttal and a general rebuttal. Or general rebuttal you can think of as just contrary evidence. So a direct rebuttal is when someone has specifically said, this article in question is wrong, whereas a general rebuttal is let's say the, the Wikipedia article on evolution is a general rebuttal against every creationist page on the internet. It's just generally presenting evidence which contradicts the creationist pages. So with that in mind, um, someone connected a Wikipedia article of the population of the United Kingdom against an advert that they came across. The advert said something like, 80 million Brits suffer from back pain, so you should use our thing which cures your back pain, right? So... It was an advert for, for some back pain solution thing. But the fact that it referenced 80 million Brits suffering from back pain, the person connected it to the Wikipedia article in the UK, which pointed out there's only 65 million people in the UK. <laughs> and it was just, so it was completely unrelated. But, you know, if you go to that advert and you see that they've, they've just outright lied in, in a basic verifiable stat, it's like, well, it's hard to trust the rest of the claims that they make on the page. So that was an interesting application of the... Uh, of the software absolutely so if you're if you've got rebutter installed as an add-on in your browser does that mean it's on all the time looking in your database for rebuttals for whatever i'm browsing yes so how it works is it's it's ever present and every page that you load it checks against our database now how it does that is on your browser itself it takes the url and hashes it so it mixes it up into a like like what happens with passwords um it converts it into a format and then checks that format against our database. And every URL that we have in our database is equally applied a similar hash algorithm. And, and so it's actually hash to hash comparison. 
So we don't know what websites you view unless it's in our database. So um, there's no, you know, we have no idea what websites you're frequenting, but every single website you check, you visit is checked against our database. And do you identify the users? Um, at the moment, we have registration. We, re- we require registration for people to submit links. You don't need to register if you just want to get the alerts. They will come through registered or not. Uh, however, the registration process isn't by any means a um, ident- identifying one. You do require an email address, but um, you could make a you, you could actually probably submit a false one quite honestly, um, because I di- we don't actually um, we we need to. This is another one of the systems we need to do a bit of work on. I would actually like to make it so that you don't need to register, and the reason for that is mm. because we are more interested in the content than on collecting people. You know, there's there's no advantage to us for, for trying to, to show, hey, we've got, you know, a million people who have registered, aren't we great? They could be a million fake accounts. You know, like Twitter has this all the time, right? People make lots and lots sure. of fake accounts. We, we don't care about the account number. What we care about is how well we map the discussions going on on the internet because that brings value to the whole service. How are you going to make money? We haven't put much thought into how that will happen because it doesn't matter at this point in time. Making money out of the interface of the system is unlikely to be the way that we'll progress. For there's another browser plugin called Web of Trust. Have you heard of that? Have you... Sounds familiar. It's called a My Web of Trust. It's it's a plugin which allows people to basically say this website's trustworthy, this one isn't. And then as you browse the web, all of those opinions are gathered, and you get a little thing saying, you know, this website is trustworthy, this website isn't. Uh, so it's a very simple plugin, and they make money by selling that information to large corporations like Facebook is one of their customers. So whenever people link to untrustworthy websites in Facebook, Facebook will actually warn people, you know, this is poorly rated. So we have a similar sort of capability there perhaps in the future where once we have this, you know, comprehensive map of discourse across the internet, um, companies may be interested in providing that extra context. So whenever, you know, people within their website link to things, link to articles, they may be able to present that as, you know, here's the link that you posted uh, and here's another link to you know, the ideal response to that link, the ideal rebuttal. So there are options like that. However, yeah, again, we don't spend too much time thinking about the monetization of it because it's just worth doing. <laughs> it is worth doing. I mean, it sounds like, almost the sort of thing that should be more supported perhaps by a grant like Wikipedia's crowdfunding sort of thing or, or even libraries because it doesn't sound like a business model would suit you. Yeah, and that's one of our concerns um, with, say, bringing on an investor and we're, we're trying to avoid requiring investment for that very reason because the second it becomes financially motivated, then that becomes the issue. But... I see this project as much bigger than, than financials. It's, um, you know, we're talking about literally the structure of the internet here and, and trying to make it easier to interact with in a meaningful way. So Google revolutionized the way we access the information. It, it gave us a way of just getting exactly what we wanted. This is, I see this as the next layer to that, which is, you know, like I said before, here, have exactly what you wanted, but have it presented within a framework which makes it far more meaningful and provides context 
and, and a system to teach you to analyze it critically. So if we can implement that, I think that changes everything about the internet. Um, so to not worry about money would be, would make it much easier. Um, so far we have received something of a grant from a program called Startup Chile. It's a, an accelerator or seed incubator from um, Chile. And I lived there for a few months and they provided some funding. Uh, and we continue to look for opportunities like that, prizes, grants, and we do accept donations too. To get a greater perspective and, and to see why it is that people disagree with arguments is, it's so much more important than you know, any sort of dogmatic claims to truth. Well, yes. Would people be concerned about various groups with a barriers to push that might employ armies to push the button and put their rebuttal at the top if they belong to some particular religious group or? Yeah, that's that's our number one concern that people have. Every, every time that we get a bit of publicity, that's the, the big question that comes back repeatedly. Fortunately, the system is amazingly robust at being resistant to any sort of um, any sort of gaming, and. What I mean by that is just its native style, it's re- it resists being gamed without any sort of algorithm or any control from our side. And how it achieves that is because, you know, people coming in voting a, re- a particular rebuttal to the top, they're voting it to the top of what? They're voting it to the top of a list for one specific page. So at most they can affect, you know, one page at a time and it takes a you know, to get a lot of people to come in and, and, and to fix it in that way, it's it's quite a lot of work for very little gain. And even then, if that starts happening, we can you know we can algorithmically control that. What what people are particularly concerned with usually is that that's you know a particular religious group comes in and wants to push their opinion, and they start submitting lots and lots of arguments, lots of rebuttals from their perspective. We actually encourage that. That's that is exactly what the system is designed to allow and encourage. Is people of particular beliefs and persuasions to argue their perspective because rebuttal doesn't say here's we have a rebuttal to this page therefore this page is wrong and that rebuttal is correct all rebuttal does is says someone disagrees with this page and if you want to find out why go and have a look at their article um it's very important philosophically um and carl sagan carl sagan you know one of the most well-known famous skeptics and, and popularizers of science says this many times in in every interview he does, in all of his books, the power of alter, you know, opposing perspectives and alternate opinions. My favorite quote of all time, and and I've got this written on every web thing that I do, is um, a quote from Demon Haunted World, where he says, silencing an opinion, he's actually par- sorry, he's paraphrasing John Stuart Mill, and he yes. says, silencing an opinion is a peculiar evil. Because if the opinion is correct, then you miss your opportunity for exchanging error with truth. And even if it is false, then you miss the collision between error and truth, and your truth becomes pallid and lifeless, devoid of meaning. Now, I've mangled that a bit, but the sentiment is just, it's resonated within me for um, ever since I first read it like 10 years ago, because that's, that's the beauty of it. Just because something is wrong doesn't mean it should be silenced. In fact, the best way to deal with false information is to bring it out into the open and have everyone look at it. You go, everyone, you know, everyone look at this. Why do they believe this? How do we engage with it? How do we talk about it? And how can we show everyone why this is wrong in a way where they will actually understand and agree? 
because every time you, you get misinformation and you, you try and censor it or control it, you actually create a bastion of resistance of people that therefore, you know, they cry out censorship and you know, big brother trying to control and, and you get all these conspiratorial thinking groups that make yes. it much worse. So yeah, in Rebutter, we are trying to just destroy that option by having everyone who has any opinion participate, submit, uh, interact. And hopefully through that process, we'll actually get open discourse taking place and uh, start changing people's minds rather than having them, you know, double down and barricade themselves in behind their confirmation bias. So Rebutter is, it's at rebutter.com and that is very easy to spell. It's R-B-U-T-R. So it's rbutter.com. And we're also on Twitter. We're at rebuttercom. Is that Twitter handle? And on Facebook, facebook.com slash rebutter. So you can follow us on any of those platforms. And if you go to rebutter.com, there's plenty more information um, how it works and demonstrations, descriptions, and videos. But basically, go to rebutter.com and click install, and you're off. Um, we're in Chrome at the moment, and we will very shortly be in Firefox as well. So, Well, it all sounds extremely worthwhile, and I look forward to playing with it. Well, Shane Greenup, thank you. On the 20th of November, Shane Greenup will be speaking at Ignite Sydney, an innovative talks conference with a maximum time of five minutes. He'll be at the Australian Skeptics Convention in Canberra on the 22nd of November and pitching to the Creative Innovations Conference in Melbourne after that. You can find out all about Rebutter at rebutterrbutr.com. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to join us? We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. You can send your contribution, opinion, congratulations, standing ovations, gasps of amazement, and helpful suggestions to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Like our Facebook page and please leave a comment. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia on the Community Radio Network and out to Hornsby Karingai on 2HHH. Syndicated on the National Science Foundation Science 360 internet radio station when the US government is working again. Ask your local radio station to broadcast Diffusion. Subscribe to our podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio.